Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. No matter where you're at or what Olympics it is, I mean, they are a lot of fun. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympic fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. How about you? Doing all right. I have to tell you about this dream I had over our break, our Thanksgiving break. And part of it involved sports, and I thought it would be fun to share here. So I was at this high school, and they had a swimming meet. And I went in to go watch it. And the pool was longer than I'd ever seen. It was like a good 100 meter long pool. Seriously, 100 meter long pool. But get this, it had hills. So the swimmers had to go up and downhill. And I spent a long time, and I have spent a long time since, trying to figure out how hills in a swimming pool could possibly work. Because that would be kind of a cool workout. Oh, how much turkey did you eat? actually before Thanksgiving Day. The rest of it was there were no parents around and like, where are all the parents? And they said, oh, they're in the restaurant in the bar. And there was actually a bar tucked into the corner of the swimming pool, like where all the parents were hanging out. If we're going to get a pool with hills, we know who can build it. Martha Pools. Martha Martha Pools. Let's get on that, Trevor. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. Like still, it still boggles me. Like that would be kind of cool to be able to swim a hill. Yeah. Okay. Now, now I'm like trying to think of the geometry of this. Yeah. Because I mean, well, you almost have to have walls, like it's a big, uh, water slide thing or, you know, like, like a, Maybe you it's know, like that, like that a brownie rib- tray that you make where you get all end pieces. <gasps> oh yeah, that's right. Maybe it's something like that. Ooh. Yeah. Because you have to have some way of keeping the water in it probably has to be circulating fairly well. So I guess yeah. you would get a boost on the downhill just from the water flow. Yeah. And then, and, and they were like a varying sizes too. It was a, like a ran and, and I bet like you could just randomize the hills. 
It would be an awesome workout. Like, a, you know, how you do on the treadmill or an yeah. elliptical? Well, how right? maybe yeah. you do on the treadmill. <laughs> let's, let's be clear. Come on, Martha. Let's make that happen. I oh, think that would be fun. You know, we could look at that for like maybe 2036. Yeah. I think that could happen. Come on. All right. So before we get into today's show, I wanted to remind everybody we have a new website that's been been going up slowly, but it's pretty much in place now. We're still loading up some back uh, back episodes of the show, but we've got some new features and we have some opportunities for you to help the show out. Our big one is an Amazon banner that you can shop through if you go to our website and click on the Amazon banner and continue your Amazon shopping as per usual we will get a little commission of your purchase. So we would greatly appreciate that. It would go a long way to helping out the show. And we also want to say hello and thank you to our new patrons, listener Patrick and listener Beth, and remind you that you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash olimfever, or there's a button on the new website, and uh, our patrons get some extra bonuses as well, and those go out Every, at the beginning of every month. So Patrick and Beth, you can look forward to your new stuff coming out on or around the first. So it's very exciting. To have I'm very patrons. excited. It's, it's fun because it's fun. We get to put uh, there are different levels that have um, bonus audio content. So it's fun to go back in the archives and pull that out and share it with them because we have a lot of stuff that doesn't make it to the show. And it's nice to be able to share that with the listeners. There's a lot of people I've insulted <laughs> that we'll we've we've edited out, and uh, you know you could you could win Allison insult bingo as a patron a lot more quickly. Maybe I'll work on that. Figure out where where all the insults were. <laughs> anyway, we would greatly appreciate it if you could support the show. Uh, it does cost us a lot of money and time to put together and the financial support allows us not just to keep the show going but to also introduce new projects that we would like to accomplish and helps us with our plans to cover Tokyo 2020. So thank you so much for helping us out. And now on to today's guest. Once again we have Kim Rohde on the show with us today. Kim is a six-time Olympian in shooting, and she is the first athlete, male or female, to win medals at six consecutive Olympic Summer Games, and she's achieved that between Atlanta 1996 and Rio 2016. The only other person who's managed to do that was Italian loser Armin Zugler, and he did that in the Winter Games, so she is the first Summer Games Olympian. And she's also the first Olympic shooter male or female, to compete in all three shotgun events, trap, double trap, and skeet. And so uh, last time, uh, a couple episodes ago, we had Kim on to talk to us about how shotgun shooting works, and today she's talking to us about some of her memorable Olympic moments. Take a listen. Can we get to London? I want to talk about Yeah, I know. <laughs> Go ahead, I don't want to run out of time before no, we get yeah, to I talk know. about I know, we have to talk about Olympics now. Well, I'm totally obsessed with the fact that you competed when you were pregnant. Yeah, that's one of the great things about our sport is that we have that ability. And my mom shot with me and it was no different when I was pregnant with my son. Well, you say no different, but I have been pregnant and it messed with me and I was a librarian at the time. So... <laughs> when you're talking about standing, and I and I know the Olympics was early in your pregnancy, but just 
and you had a lot of complications as well, but just the, the complexity of your joints are literally all moving. Your weight is shifting. Yes. Your body, yeah. So talk a little bit about that experience. Well, for me, I mean, like you said, it was very early on. For me, I dealt more with being tired and exhausted more than the hips and the joints. The hips and the joints came later, and thankfully it was after, but I definitely, you definitely feel it, um, walking, carrying all the weight and different things. But at the same time, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think that's one of the great things about our sport. We don't have a shelf life. We can compete equally with the men, and it's really been a lot of fun. I just hopefully I can pass it on to my son. <laughs> so, but then afterwards, going into Rio, there just the 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 aftermath of pregnancy. I guess it might be a way to put it. Was that, that also? <laughs> no, it was not good. <laughs> so you couldn't lift anything for a long time. So it was really cut into your training for Rio. Most definitely. So after I had my son, I had some um, some pretty severe complications. Uh, one of them having to do with my bones being separated and having a lot of movement. I had a very hard time walking. I'm still trying to recover from that. It's been five years and I'm going to be, I'm actually doing physical therapy every single day, trying to get back to where I'm at a normal. But with that being said, there are far worse things out there, but I definitely, you know, struggled with it, trying to get my training in it, my endurance from not being able to walk definitely hampered me. But at the end of the day, I was just thankful to have made the Olympics and to have walked away with a medal. I mean, being out there with the best shooters in the world, uh, they weren't going to cut me any slack, that's for sure. And it was a, a great experience. It really showed me that you can really overcome anything. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to be very grateful and thankful for your health. The other big thing I wanted to talk about with Olympics is having to switch from double trap to skeet, two completely yes. different disciplines. What was that like for you? That was really tough for me. Going from doubles trap to international skeet, having started off in doubles trap, um, I had quite a few bonds with a lot of the competitors and shooters. And so walking away from not only the sport that I love, but from all the people I knew and going into a new sport was very challenging because there had been people that had been competing in that sport for 20 years or more, and they felt like, here here I'm coming in, taking something that was rightfully theirs. So there was a lot of uh, obstacles to overcome, not just with the sport and actually competing, but actually trying to fit in and get along with uh, some of my own teammates and people that had been doing it for a very long time. And that was probably one of my, my biggest challenges and one of my hardest times in my career. Talent-wise, I guess, though, was it easy to to pick up how to do ski? I mean, because you're in a different strata than a lot of athletes. So was it easy for you to pick up the, the technique? Going from international ski to double strap is not an easy thing to do. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm in a different strata. I mean, I definitely did it, but it was not without a lot of hard work and a lot of soul searching and <laughs> um, 
you know, rough days. Cause I mean, you're used to being, you're going from one event where you're number one in the world to being at the bottom and having to work your way back up again. And that's something that is always challenging, no matter who it is. And for me, it was no different, but at the end of the day, I, I think there are some similarities in just the competition aspect of it, being out there on that line and knowing that if you hit this bird, you win, or if you miss this bird, you lose. I mean, that is all the same, whether it be skeet trap or doubles trap. However, the differences being just in the subtle nuances that I had to learn, like the leads, the mounts, um, the whole point, and just the teammates. Um, those are all factors that definitely played into it. And I think if anybody wants it bad enough, they can do it the same as I did. How does your how do you approach with the mental training from switching disciplines like that? Well, I think a lot of it for me really going from one event to the other on the mental side of it, really I had a lot of excellent support from my family. And at the end of the day, I think that's really what pulled me through. I mean, when you when you start going from one thing to the next and, you know, doing all these subtle changes and, you know, you're trying to compete and it's it's just it's draining on a lot of aspects, but at the same time, when you have a good support group, like I did with my family and friends, it made all the difference in the world and to be able to call them up and have them cheer me up or say, yeah, you can do this or no, no, you got to shoot, you know, 20 more at the end of the day that, that definitely helped me. And I think is really what pulled me through. And how do you stay mentally strong doing this for so long? I mean, you've been to six Olympics. I mean, this is, not easy on you as a person it's funny because you say that but when you say it I don't think of it like that I don't think of myself as being oh yeah I'm number one and oh yeah I've been to six Olympics I just truly love what I do and I do it because I love it and at the end of the day if I win great if I don't you know my family's going to love me just the same and so at the end of the day, um, for me, it's really about the places, the people, the, the competition, and just really just try to enjoying, enjoy it as much as I can. And each Olympics has been unique in their own aspect. Each one has brought something different to the table. And I think it's just something in me that I love to overcome those obstacles. I don't know. <laughs> it has me coming back again and again. Do you have a date, a retirement date in mind? I do not have a retirement okay. date in mind. It's something that, you know, I look at as that I can do this for the rest of my life. I mean, shooting will always be a part of my life, no matter what, uh, whether I'm competing or not competing, it'll always be there. And that's the beautiful thing about being a shooter is we don't have a shelf life like some of the other sports. We can do this for a very long time. In fact, the oldest medalist in the history of the Olympics was a shooter. His name was Oscar Swan. He was 72 when he won a, a silver medal in the, I think, the running beer double shot team event. I, I know we don't have that one anymore, but at the end of the day, I'm only 39, so I have a few more in me. So we're going to see her in 28 at home. I'm going to go for at least all the way to LA Olympics, if not past that. I mean, I think it would be amazing to compete in Los Angeles with my home crowd cheering behind me. I think 
it'd just be amazing. And why stop now? Excellent. Well, you mentioned that each Olympics is it's got something unique about it. Let's run through them really quick, and maybe there's one or two things that stand out to you from each one. Atlanta, first Olympics, of course, gold medal right after your birthday. Anything else that you remember that really stands out from Atlanta? Oh, quite a bit. So in 1996, I remember the opening ceremony because we were in the United States and the crowd was cheering, you know, USA, USA. And I remember the we were standing in a line getting ready to march into the opening ceremonies and the crowd started cheering USA and the athletes started to create a wave from the front to the back and then back to the front again, just jumping. And it was amazing in that singular moment how much, you know, it really hit me, like what the Olympics was about. And, you know, I worked four years for this moment. Like, I mean, it just really hits you in that singular moment. And being that it was my first Olympics, something I'll, I'll never forget, as well as my final round in the 96 Olympics. I remember walking out there and having him announce every athlete from the country, you know, like Susan Kiermaier from Germany, you know, her score, position, such and such. And, and they went through announcing everyone and, and even me. And I remember kind of laughing because the announcer turned to the audience and said, we're going live to, you know, X number of million people. And we need everyone to turn off all their cell phones, pagers and beepers. And I think, you know, I kind of laugh about it now, but when I remember looking down the line, I saw all the other shooters go, oh, man, that's a lot of people, and get really nervous. And, uh, you know, now we kind of laugh because pagers and beepers don't even exist. But that was the big thing that we that we received at the 1996 Olympics was some Motorola pagers. Do you still have them? <laughs> we had to give them back. We had oh. to give them back. They were such a big deal, Yeah. And now, like, when we mentioned that we had pagers to, say, some of the younger kids are like, what was the point of that? And you're like, oh, if you only knew how cool it was to have a pager. <laughs> <laughs> Those kids don't know anything. They don't. It's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> Okay, but those little things yep. are the things that you remember, you know, yeah. like also, too, in 1996, one of the things that McDonald's did to help the athletes be better familiarized with the village, we actually or they actually created a treasure hunt. And you got a hat and you would go around to the different McDonald's within the village and they would give you a pin. And you we went around, I remember, and collected all the different pins from from the different McDonald's within the within the village and that was like a big a big thing as well as we had laser tag which was a huge part of uh, the Olympics and a lot of the athletes really enjoyed that within the village and I have to say the shooters we pretty much dominated that <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> seriously who's gonna go into the laser <laughs> Yeah, we're not competitive at all, but we definitely <laughs> dominated at the laser tag in the Olympic Village. Yeah, Dude, I just who who was stupid enough to try to go against you? Say, well, I'm gonna see how I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> like 
like I don't see the wrestlers coming in and being like, oh, I'm going to beat the shooters at laser tag. <laughs> it was it was really a fun. I mean, that was one of the things that, that really stands out about each Olympics is that no matter where you're at or what Olympics it is, I mean, they are a lot of fun. A lot of people are coming together. It's just this great atmosphere that the Olympics really take on a life of their own. And if you're going to truly go and visit a, a city or a country, I mean, what better way than to, to see it than during the Olympics? Moving on to Sydney, what what stands out from your Sydney experience? Well, so Sydney, we had like a lot of like the sightseeing and the tours type things. And we also went and saw all of the different venues. But the one thing for me that stood out after the Sydney Olympics is I actually went and got invited by an Aboriginal elder and went hunting after the Olympics. So for me, oh my two, gosh. two weeks in the outback after the Olympics was incredible. We had no power, no running water, and everything was like airdropped in. It was super remote and just beautiful. And so for me, that was one of the things that really stood out was being able to enjoy the outback and the outdoors, which kind of goes hand in hand with my, with my sport. Wow. Wow. That is a cool experience to get. Did you, what did you learn from them about hunting and how they hunted? I mean, it's, I think pretty much the same. <laughs> I mean, the, the present day, but at the end of the day, it was just more about like um, the culture and, you know, the women, for example, they, they discovered that I collected baskets. So they actually made me some baskets for me personally that I still have here in my house today. So just, just the, the culture and I, I just, it's just amazing. So I love that, that aspect of what it is that I do and being able to go and see and experience all over the world. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. So moving on to Athens, did you know at that point that this was going to be the love, the last double trap? Yes, I did actually know that going into the Athens games, and that was something that I really, really wanted because I actually hold a very unique title in that I won the first medal to ever be given in international doubles trap, which was at the 1996 Olympic Games gold, and I also won the last medal to be given in an international Olympic event in 2000 uh, in Sydney, uh, which was also a gold medal. So I'm, I think, the only person to have won the first and the last medal to be given in an event. Wow. Just, and just one of many records and achievements. You know, I don't keep track of all these things. I leave that to dad and to other people. <laughs> but at the end, I've been told that. And um, that is something that definitely I was aware of when I went in to shooting the competition. But the thing about Athens, I mean, they weren't prepared for us. I mean, they were literally spray painting the houses and painting the houses like the morning of the paint was still wet, but the people were, were welcoming the, the history and the culture, you know, being able to march through tunnels that athletes marched through thousands, you know, hundreds of years ago. I mean, it was just amazing the history of it and to be there and be part of it. I mean, just in itself was incredible. And moving on to Beijing, what stands out for you at that one? Well, Beijing, they were overly prepared. I mean, I think it really comes from the culture that 
you know, to make you feel welcomed. And one thing that one of the things that really stood out to me is in our apartment when we arrived, they had little paintings done for each individual person hanging over their bed, over our bed in our rooms. And the paintings and stuff were done or drawings were done by some of the kids in Beijing. But it was just something that was so simple and just made you feel more at home. And I remember a lot of the athletes were very sentimental about them and ended up taking them home with them, which is what we were supposed to do. But it was something that was just so thoughtful. And that's something that really stands out. I mean, to the opening ceremonies, I mean, with all the fireworks and just everything was incredible. And the competition, I mean, literally going head to head, we had a sudden death shoot off for gold, silver and bronze. Um, one one shoot off lost one to walk away with the silver. I, I I can't complain. So have you always gone to the opening and closing? I've gone to all but but one, which was the one in London. I didn't go to the opening in that, and that was because I was tired and all the walking and you know I wasn't really feeling good and I had to compete the next day. But when the fireworks started going off in London, I went out in the wee hours of the, of the morning or slash night and stood out on the balcony and watched the fireworks from the village as best I could. And yeah, it was amazing. So I've, I've been to quite a few of the opening ceremonies, all but one. What else stands out about your London experience? The nice thing about London is that you could go and see multiple different events. So because you could just hop on the Metro and just go down any venue it was so easy just to, to zip around and get around and it really allowed you to enjoy a lot of different things very quickly and that was the nice thing about London so we would see two or three different events and it was just fantastic and we really got to know a lot of the other athletes I think at this point you know having done this this many Olympics I really become you know, pretty good friends with some of the other sports, with some of the other athletes. And so seeing them and getting together and going out to go see something else and watch someone else perform or cheer on one of your friends makes it really, really fun. And that's the one thing I really remember from the London Games. So is, are your events usually early in the program? Are you the first week? Okay. So then you have time. So I'm actually, I am afforded the ability to be able to go and actually enjoy the different venues and different events. And and so that's one of the great things about being in the shooting sports, or at least in my event. And then Rio, was your son able okay. to come with you to Rio? Yeah, my, my, my family has come to every Olympics um, that I have competed in. And um, my husband started coming to the Olympics in Athens. So his first Olympics was in Athens, Greece, and he's into everyone since. And my son's first one was in Rio. Obviously, he was very little, but he still remembers it. If you ask him to this day, uh, he'll say, go, mommy, go. I guess that's what the crowd was cheering, and that's what he remembers. But the thing I remember about Rio is the people. The people were so sweet, so helpful, the competition when we're standing out there and we're shooting the targets, it was almost as though the crowd was like helping us to pull the trigger each and every time. And when we hit one, they went 
crazy. When you missed one, they, they felt it with you. And it was incredible. It was uh, amazing. And yeah, I was just really happy that my family and my son and everybody got to enjoy it and experience it. Wow. <laughs> I know we're a little <laughs> like, like uh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you wish that people outside the shooting sports community understood about your sports? That's a that's an excellent question. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about our sport. I think you see all the negative on the media and the news and people try to equate that to our sport, which couldn't be even, I mean, it's not even remotely similar or even related. Our sport teaches responsibility and discipline and focus, things that you'll use throughout your whole life. It's very family oriented. If you happen to ever go out to a range, you'll find that people are very helpful and, you know, fathers with their sons and mothers with their daughters. I mean, it's just, a very eclectic group of people, which I find very fascinating in itself. And I think there's just a, a lot that goes into just trying to educate the people outside our sport about just how wonderful it truly is. Thank you so much, Kim. You can follow Kim on Twitter at Kim Rohde, on Facebook at Kimberly Rohde, on Instagram, she's Kim Rohde, and her website is kimrohde.wordpress.com, and we will have links to all of those in our show notes. That was cool. Oh, so much fun and yeah. so generous with the stories. I know, right? I love the scavenger hunt. I loved hearing how organizers and sponsors tried to make the Olympic Village a really fun place to be. Right. It goes back to when we were talking to the mayor of nineteen of Montreal in 1976, mm -hmm. the Olympic Village there, that was that start that really made it a community. So it's nice to hear how it's progressed yeah. Yeah, from then. So. And our son has been to two Olympics, technically. <laughs> also cool. I know. <laughs> Do you think she'll stick around long enough so that he can compete with her? Wouldn't that be awesome? Because I think, aren't they introducing a mixed shooting event oh, for Tokyo and then the coach would be the great because her father is her right, coach right right oh man oh, have like on, a, Kim. i know have like a little dynasty going one of those generational dynasties that would be yeah fantastic. oh i love that that would be great she said there's no expiration date she has no retirement date i know in mind. i know this could totally happen hopefully he's inherited the 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 competitive gene how could he not? I know, I know. But he'll at least have that love of the sport, for yeah. sure. I mean, how could you not in that family? I so, know. <laughs> moving on to Tokyo 2020. This week is a big weekend because the IOC Executive Board is meeting in Tokyo during the Association of National Olympic Committees General Assembly, and that would be ANOC. And... They'll decide if boxing and weightlifting will remain on the 2020 and 2024 programs. So wow. this is a big deal if they get pulled. And boxing has kind of been on shaky ground because it has had leadership issues and um, a few little corruption problems. Yeah, yeah, that's <sighs> yeah. Lots of officials getting pulled and everything. It's been really rough. So. 
I'm really surprised that they're still making that decision for 2020. I know. I know. That's awful for the athletes because they're, oh man. I mean, 24, not that it makes it any less awful, but you know, teams are already starting, you know, we've been talking about, oh, the selection process has already begun Mm -hmm. for some teams and slots things. Right. And then to have your sport pulled. That would be rough. And, and the, the big problem in weightlifting is doping. Yeah. So, I mean, the athletes, some of the athletes are doing it to themselves and to their fellow competitors. I mean, that's also extremely rough when you know, if you're a clean athlete and you do everything you can, and this is a decision that's out of their control. So I wonder if the IOC will take those measures. I mean, they're not known for taking a stand, but they did ban Russia from Pyeongchang. So who knows? They could be feeling feisty. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. Moving on to our team Olympic fever update. Tofu. Team Schuster got uh, best male athlete team of Pyeongchang given to them by the Association of National Olympic Committees, which is a big deal. That was so well exciting deserved. to see. Yes, right? Very and, well deserved. And did you also see on our Facebook group that, that uh, there is the Team Schuster tabletop curling game that you can buy exclusively at TJ Maxx? It's on my list. Is it? I added it and I said, Santa, let's get on this. I should, I should. There's a TJ Maxx not far from me, so I should run down and see if it's there. You're you're in the land of TJ Maxx. I know. Yeah, the headquarters are out by me, so I should see that. Did you also see the video of Taylor Lipset's daughter learning how to skate? For the first time? Yes. Oh my gosh. It was so adorable and she loved skating. So Of course she did. Right. So I think, you know... We are seeing the baby steps of maybe a future Olympian. That would be amazing. That would be. And then, oh, we have to talk about next Olympic hopeful, too, because that was a big deal over the weekend. It was. It was. And our boy, Josh Williamson, got to be on the show. I know. It was so nice to see him. So at first, I'm watching it, and there's just like a little glimpse of him in the corner. Mm-hmm. And I'm screaming, oh, there you are. Hi, Josh. Like, <laughs> He could number one, like he could hear me, and number two, like the thing was live. But then they actually interviewed him a little bit, right? So I was very excited to to hear that. But then, of course, he's like, "Oh, I really want Ladaren to win because there's this picture of me from last year, and he's lifting me up, and I'd be more excited for him winning than when I won myself." Did you hear that? that oh, little oh, interview? did I hear that? I'm sorry, maybe through my tears. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And as I'm sitting there, I'm going. Of course you'd be happier for him, Josh, because you are that wonderful. You know, old me would have been all cynical and be like, oh, he's just saying that. But now that, you know, he's my best friend and I know him so well. Right. It's like, no, he really means that. He really is that adorable. It was so nice. It was really good to see him back on the show. You know, bobsled, the the cup starts next week. It starts at the bobsled uh World Cup starts in early December, so we'll see him compete soon. So excited. But it was, what did you think of the show? Very disappointed. Were you? Okay. I was. Why? I was very disappointed because last year we really got to see what they were doing Mm -hmm. in the combine. I really got a feel of the different competitions and the different tests. Mm -hmm. This, there was too much setting it up for the Mary Carrillo. Oh, right. The extra too much, you know, Who's been homeless? Who was injured? 
you know, whose second cousin died last week, too much of that. I wanted to see the athletes be athletes. And last year they did a lot of that and they barely talked to the coaches. Right. I was really disappointed that we did not get that glimpse into the coaches thoughts and that also that powwow that they had where they were talking about who they really wanted on their, their final. Yeah. Final, uh, what the final testing. List. Not nearly enough of the Kiwi rugby coaches. No. Not nearly enough of that. Yeah, there was too much of the typical reality show this time around. I would agree. And I live tweeted it both episodes. So it was fun while watching it, but it was really kind of a... And, and you can't say this over and over again on Twitter, like, come on, let's get with the show. But the second one... You don't have to tune in to see the whole thing because a good chunk of the beginning is a recap of right. episode one. And okay, maybe not everybody has NBCSN, but uh, there was just a lot of montages with the narrator and backstory. Right. And not as many. And there were some really cool looking drills, like the yeah. one with the, the lights and they had to do the agility and touch the lights. I really liked yes. that. And 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 even though they had more sports, you saw less of them yes. overall. Like getting people into a kayak was prime for, you know, it, well, fish out of water, you know, and you saw a little bit of that, but not right, a but ton. Then they were doing different things in the kayak, like they, their legs were out, their legs were in, but nobody told me why. Right. Like so this is how you start. This is how you start sitting into a kayak and getting into position. Right. So and you know I really I honestly want to go and try that uh, that face down on the the bench and you uh, have to lift up the barbell. Yeah. No, I don't want to try that. <laughs> I want to see how hard that is. Yeah. No. I might also have to go on the rowing machine and erg it out just to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but yeah it was great to see i think these athletes do their thing and get picked we just didn't see enough of yeah i of want it. less of the backstory i want to see what making an, an olympic you know i really want to see what those combines are like and last year i felt like we did i mean we saw people passing out and throwing up where was the passing out and throwing up? We did not get that this time. No. And it was still hot. They talked about how hot it was. Right. But they didn't. It was just, I was disappointed. They're going in the wrong mm -hmm. direction with, I think, how they're presenting it. Right. And because if they want to do it that way, they need to make it longer than two hours. Right. Because I didn't know any of these kids. Right. Except for, you know, especially you got to know two people who didn't get picked. Right. And that was, you know... Okay, that's okay because if you're going to do the Mar Mary Carrillo thing, that you, you still are on edge on will they get picked or not. But they kept showing them over and over, and I thought, well, they're going to go. Everybody they're featuring is going to get picked. Right. Um, and then the then it was really weird when the people who did get picked, you hardly knew. Right. So, I don't know. Frustrating. Still a great, great program. I great, great. I know. Yes, it's great. I love program. the idea. It's such a great idea, and it can be done so much better. They're just, I, mm. right. Even and even if they took some of it and put it online only, right? 
let me see some of these drills and combines and what it really takes. Yeah, because you don't, yeah, you don't get enough of that. And we got so little follow-up from last year. They should have a whole episode on what happened to all those kids from last year. Right. Well, we'll have to find out now. Because we know Josh, they said said at the very end that three were still going strong with their NGBs. So we'll have to go and do a little bit of research for you. Yeah. But hopefully we will get to talk to one of the winners. We're trying to get, we're trying to wrangle an interview. So maybe we will be able to find out more of. A little bit more of what went really on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because did you see at the very end, you know, they talk about the winners and the poor uh, Rodriguez Russell from bobsled. Dropped out. Dropped out. Yeah. You ca- and, and that, of course, was like, ooh, I want to see what, what happened that- there. Right. Did he go into bobsled because, you know, part of it is because family was involved or or what? Right. Was it just not? Yeah. Was it not what he expected? Was it? I don't know. On the list. We'll get it. We'll wrangle some way. We'll figure out what's going on. Oh, we will wait. hunt them down. <laughs> Um, you know what? What is exciting in my world is that Biathlon World Cup starts this weekend. Yay! Super excited because that means that pretty much every weekend from now through March, we'll be watching some biathlon on my laptop. So I'm very excited about that. But a Team Olympic Fever member, Claire Egan, did a 7.5 kilometer sprint in Austria on Thanksgiving Day. She shot perfectly and she got third place. So she Stay. got a podium finish. Everything we learned at Pyeongchang, clean shooting wins. Yes, yes. That's very exciting. Good, good nice uh, job, moment for, for the season. I am looking forward to seeing how you compete and very excited for you. All right. And then a little bit of 2026 news for the bids. Uh, Calgary is out there. They had a plebiscite and the voters uh, said, no, we really don't want the Olympics. So they are shutting down that bid. But I said, eh, yeah. No. So that's a little sad. And then Milano and Cortina uh, unveiled their Candidate City logo, which is very pretty. It of is, of course, it is. They're Italian, right? Yeah, they do do good they design. Do, they don't do anything ugly, right? So it is like a red and green logo, and it has, like, it's it's a mountain. So part of the mountain is is got green accents, and part of it has red. So they have green trees on one side and red trees on the other and a little like ski path going down the mountain. It's very pretty. So it's the Italian flag in a mountain. Yes, it is the Italian flag. Wow. (laughs) Jeez, where am I? Didn't even get that, but very cool. Very cool. So they're taking one more step. We'll see. Who knows? We hope. Right. We hope somebody hosts these games. I'm sure. Really? Yeah. And we hope, I'm sure the IOC hopes even more like, Ooh boy, because Stockholm is still, they're still around, but they're all like, ah, we don't know. We don't really want to. And the government's like, we're not spending any money on these things. So we shall see. But on that note, we will wrap it up for this week and we will catch you back here next week for more Olympic stories. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. 
We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. I have to say the shooters, we pretty much dominated.